that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Whiff. Is that really in the Bible? If you were absolutely sure that you love God, what would you do? I want you to think about that for a moment. If you were absolutely sure that you love God, what would you do? And of course, once you figure that out, then go out and do it. But you know, as a child, when I was exposed to a lot of religion and on TV and radio, it was almost as if the concept that if I did anything, God would be upset. You know, it's like, what must you do to be saved? Nothing. Jesus did it all for you. Just believe. Just accept. Just give your heart to the Lord. And so the illusion in my mind was created that, well, if I try to do anything that pleases God, he's going to be upset. There's nothing I must do. But I come back to the question. If you were absolutely sure that you love God, what would you do? Now, too many Christians, I believe, have an emotional love for God. They just feel like they love God. And it's, it's all an emotion. It's just all feelings. It's nothing concrete. There's nothing real about it. It's just, and it's hard to convince these people, you know, that, that, that feel like they love God to convince them otherwise. They just know they love God by their emotions, just raw emotions. They're just living life by the seat of their pants. Whatever they feel, it's got to be right. And I just feel that I love God. You know, there's a story about a man... He's sitting on a bar stool at a bar. He's about three sheets in the wind. He's had a little bit too much to drink. And he's telling the bartender how much he loves his wife and three children. And in fact, he is feeling such a powerful emotion that he's got big tears rolling down his face. And his feelings are genuine. His feelings are real. And yet, at that very moment, his wife and three children are across town, at home, lonely. They need him to be there. The children need him to be there to teach, to train, to provide his love for the wife and the three children. But he's not there. He's across town, at a bar, but he's telling the bartender how much. And he's feeling a feeling. And the feeling is real. It's genuine. He's got tears rolling down his face as he tells the bartender how much he loves his wife and three children. Now, is this real love? No, it's not. All it is is just an emotion. That's as deep as it gets. It's very shallow. You see, real love would require him to be at that moment with his wife and three children, to be there for them, to teach, to train, to love them, to provide for them to stay home, 
instead of out gallivanting around and getting drunk. So you see, there's a big difference between real love and just an emotion. Real love is a matter of the will. Did you know that? It's what you do. You know, you don't have to like your neighbor, but you got to love him. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, maybe you don't like your neighbor. You don't talk to him. You don't want to talk to him. Nothing wrong with that. But if your neighbor's house catches on fire, love will require you to go over there and get him out of there. That's real love. So you can love people you don't even like because love is a matter of the will. It's what you do that counts, not what you feel, not what you feel. You know, there's a country western song, very powerful country western song by Tanya Tucker. I think she wrote the song. And it's entitled, I Won't Take Less Than Your Love. How much do I owe you, said the husband to his wife. For standing beside me through the hard years of my life, shall I bring you diamonds? Shall I buy you furs? Say the word, and it's yours. And the wife said, I won't take less than your love. How much do I owe you? To the mother said the son. For all you have taught me in the days that I was young, shall I buy you an expensive blanket to cast upon your bed and a pillow for you to rest your weary head? And the mother said, I won't take less than your love. And then the third one comes to the critical issue. It's about our relationship with God. How much do I owe you, said the man to his Lord, for giving me this day and every day that's gone before? Shall I build a temple? Shall I make a sacrifice? Tell me, Lord, and I will pay the price. And the Lord said, I won't take less than your love. Again, if you were absolutely sure that you loved God, what would you do? What would you be doing? And I wonder how many Christians know the right answer. I wonder how many Christians know the biblical answer because the answer is spelt out in the words of Jesus, how to love God. He clearly, no misunderstanding, tells us how to love God. Let's take a look at John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he also do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. What was Jesus talking about? You know, Christ did some amazing works. I mean, he healed people. He raised people from the dead. What's he talking about? He says, look, I'm going to go to the Father and greater works that you're going to do. Greater works. Now, I think the greater works is found, not that we would be duplicating the exact same thing that Jesus did. 
you know, uh, raising people from the dead and healing people and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, I guess that's important, but you know, it's, it's really not the important thing. The real important thing, the greater work is found in a message that brings people to real repentance. It's, I mean, the greater work is changing people's lives, converting them from a sinner to a man who fears God and is willing to do what God says. Conversion is the greater work. You know, I just recently saw a picture. I thought it was very good. I'll put it up on the page here behind me. It says, Christians, if you believe that the law is done away, why do you tell people to repent? That's a fascinating concept, is it not? I mean, if the law's been done away with, abolished, if the law's been abolished, there is no sin because where there is no sin, there is no transgression. You can't get a ticket for running a stop sign if there's no stop sign. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. So Christians, if you believe, I'm asking you a question, if you believe the law's done away with, why do you tell people to repent? There's nothing to repent of if the law's been abolished. Why? Because there's no sin if the law's been abolished. Sin is a transgression of the law. So the greater work I believe Jesus was talking about is a message that brings people to repentance. And you have to repent of breaking God's law, which is the Ten Commandments. John 14, verse 13, it continues on. He says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, a lot of Christians at this point would say, well, that's a lie. That's a lie because I ask for all kinds of things I don't get. I want to tell you why you didn't get the things you've been asking for. I'm going to tell you why you're not getting the things you're asking for. You may not like the answer, but I'm going to tell you. John, next verse, John 14, verse 15. Here's the answer. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's your answer. I didn't say you'd like the answer. What I'm telling you is this. Love for God is a two-way street. You see, you thought you could just, oh, God, I want that, that four-car garage. I want that Cadillac. I want that BMW. I want all these wonderful things. You just thought you could ask for God for anything you wanted, didn't you? And he would give it to you. No. No, a relationship with God is a two-way street. God says, you ask for anything, and I'll give it to you. But... Here's the condition. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, yeah. Love for God is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. We love God. He loves us. God loves us. We love Him. You ask anything in my name and I'll do it. But if you love me, keep my commandments. Another picture, interesting comment I found just recently. It says, you are not a Christian as long as you live a life of continuous rebellion against God, without remorse, without conviction, without change. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You are not a Christian as long as you live in rebellion, without remorse, without conviction, without change. 
Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Fourth included, by the way. Don't let that slip by you. Fourth commandment included, the Sabbath day. So yes, if you keep his commandments and you ask, God says, ask for anything, you know, you ask, I'll give it to you. As long as it's in God's will, direct line of will. The things that you ask for that are directly in line with his will. And his will is found in a message that brings people to repentance. That's what God wants. So if you were absolutely sure that you love God, what would you do? Well, let's take a look at it. 1 John 5 and verse 3. Here's your biblical answer. If you were absolutely sure that you love God, what would you do? Here's your answer. For this is the love of God. Did you notice that? This is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Now, at this point, a lot of Christians, small letter C, okay, Christians, small letter C. At this point, a lot of Christians, small letter C, would call Jesus a liar. They would say, oh, no, but your commandments are grievous. They're terrible. In fact, they're so bad that we have a theology that they says they've been nailed to the cross. They've been done away with. They've been, they've been you know, we don't need to keep them. They're no good. Yeah, a lot of people would call God a liar. He says, it, my commandments are not grievous. They are for the purpose of giving you a life that works. Do you want a life that works or do you want a life that's screwed up? The commandments tell us how to live a life that works. Now, I have found that a lot of people in their pea brain mind, Christians, have a view toward God like this. That in the Old Testament, you had this harsh father God that went around giving all these ridiculous commandments that nobody could keep. And then in the New Testament, you have Jesus, and Jesus is sort of like a rebellious son who comes along and does away with all his father's commandments. Now, I know no one has the audacity to admit what I just said, but that's what's going on. And a lot of Christians, small letter C, mind, that's what's going on in their mind. Harsh Father God, ridiculous commandments, Jesus. He dismissed all of it. Rebellious son just washed it up. Oh, not doing any of that, Father. Yeah, yeah. So what am I saying? Well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just quoting the Bible. I'm just agreeing with Jesus. Matthew 5 and verse 18. Let's look at that. Matthew 5 and verse 18. For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Notice that. Not one dot, not one crossing of the T is going to pass from the law to all be fulfilled. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. Now, do me a favor. Walk outside, walk on the ground, step out outside on the ground and look up at the sky. Has heaven and earth passed? Yes or no? There's only one answer. The answer is no. Heaven and earth has not passed yet. So nothing has 
been done away with from God's law, okay? Your preacher's been lying to you. He's a liar. You just got to get used to that. You got to get used to calling your holy man of God a liar, okay? You just got to get used to that. I know it hurts, but if he's telling you, you know, something opposite what Jesus said, Jesus said, heaven and earth, he said, till heaven and earth pass. Till, you know, heaven and earth has got to pass first. And it is not passed because you're living here. Not one crossing of the T, not one dotting of the I shall be, you know, shall pass from the law. Yeah. Is your minister preaching the opposite of what Jesus taught? Now, for all you want to be Christians who hate God's law, do me a favor. Find a different occupation beside religion. You're making a mess of things. All right. If you were absolutely sure you really wanted to know God. Now, we dealt with the subject of love. What would you do if you, if you were sure you loved God? Jesus' answer is keep his commandments, okay? Keep his commandments, all right? Okay, that's, that's Jesus' answer. You got a problem? You got a problem with Jesus' answer, not me. Jesus' answer, if you got a problem with it. Okay, if you were absolutely sure you wanted to know God, what would you do? Take a look. 1 John 2 and verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Hmm, interesting. If you were absolutely sure you wanted to be able to get anything you asked for from God, Okay, you wanted to be sure that you could get anything you wanted from God. Whatever you asked for, you'd be sure you, you, you could get it. What would you do? Well, let's take a look at it. 1 John 3 and verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because, notice that, we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It pleases God for you to keep his commandments. Did you know that? Did you know that? That God is well pleased when he sees a child of God who submits to the Ten Commandments. And he says, you ask anything and I'll give it to you. Wow. Wow. If you were absolutely sure you wanted to know God, if you wanted to, excuse me, if you were absolutely sure you wanted to know who the devil really hates, Okay, this is what you want to know. You want to know, okay, who does Satan really hate? Where would you go for that answer? Revelation 12 and verse 17. Let's take a look at it. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Notice, the remnant, a small group. A remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a remnant. It's a small group of Christians out there, big letter C, who actually keep his commandments and believe in them and teach others to keep his commandments. A small remnant of these people. Okay? If you are absolutely sure you wanted to know who are the real religious liars out there. Now I'm telling you, you watch TV, religion on TV, 
what I call the comedy hour, Sunday morning comedy hour, you watch some of that stuff and you need to identify. You, it, now, you may not want to know, by the way, but if you really wanted to know who are the real religious liars, am I one? That's a good question. You need to ask that. Don't believe me. Believe your Bible. If I can't prove it to you from the Bible, don't believe me. So if you really wanted to know, is David Freeman a religious liar? Is this person over here a religious liar? How would you know? How would you know? You know, I've found that what most religious people have is what I call a religion of disbelief. In other words, whatever, you know, it's like, okay, a religion of disbelief. I'm going to explain to you why the Bible, why we don't have to do that. It's what I call a religion of disbelief. Most people's religion is nothing more than a religion of disbelief. Disbelief. It's proving why you don't have to do a single thing that's in the Bible. No, we don't have to do that. That's been done away with. That's fulfilled. That's, G, uh, that's Jews. That's Israel. That's uh, for somebody else, not for us. Nope, nope, no, that's not for us. Sabbath, that's not for us. Uh, holy days, that's not for us. Uh, dietary laws, that's not for us. None of it's for us. It's what I call a religion of disbelief. Most Christians don't believe anything. They don't believe they got to do anything, for sure. Okay, if you really want to know who the religious liars are, what would you do? Well, let's take a look. 1 John 2 and verse 4. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Wow, a lot of religious liars on TV. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you were absolutely sure you wanted to know who would really enter into eternal life, <coughs> okay, who's going to really enter into eternal life? Now, you may not want to know this one, but if you really did want to know, okay, who's going to enter in into eternal life? Where would you go to find the answer? Let me tell you. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Wow. Blessed are those that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Powerful, powerful stuff here. If you were absolutely sure, you wanted to feel the presence of God in your life. Now, I talked about emotions at the very first of this message. And I gave you an example about the guy on the... Uh, at the uh, bar, sitting on a bar stool, and how he had tears rolling down his face as he told the bartender how much he loved his wife and children. Now, emotions are important, but you don't base your religion on emotions. First, you base your religion on what, what God tells you to do. And then, from that point, you will feel certain things. Okay. Now, if you were absolutely sure you wanted to feel the presence of God in your life, what would you do? All right. John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode 
with him. Wow. You know, if, 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 if you keep God's word, God says, I'm going to move in with you. Father and the son are going to make our home inside of you. You want to feel the presence of God? Keep his words. Keep his commandments. If you were absolutely sure you wanted to see God, what would you do? John 14, verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This is powerful. I mean, this is an amazing verse. It says, you know, we're talking about I will manifest myself to him. Um, I mean, to see God, to be able to feel the presence of God, to be, you know, in a relationship with God where, you know, you ask for things and you get what you ask for and you, you know that God is there. I mean, this, this is a powerful, powerful concept. Uh, he that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loves me. And my father and, you know, myself, we will come and manifest myself to him. Powerful concept. Again, if you were absolutely sure you love God, what would you do? You know, the benefit of truly loving God goes beyond our wildest dreams. The results that you could get from truly loving God. And God comes along and says, look, I will not take anything less than your love. You may offer me something less, but I will not accept it. I will not accept it. You may offer me a, a theology that says, oh, but I believe the law has been abolished, has been nailed to the cross, has been done away with. Well, I don't have to keep it. You know, it's all been fulfilled. You may offer me a dead theology, but it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to produce a true relationship with God. You can offer me something that's false, but I will not accept it. I will not take less than your love. You know, what I have found is that most people have what I call a religion of disbelief. A religion of disbelief. They look at everything in the Bible that they don't want to do. You know, well, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do that. And they come up with a, a belief it, why they don't have to do anything. They, they build what I call a religion of disbelief. Well, this is the reason I don't do that. And this is the reason I don't do that over there. And this is the reason I'm not keeping his Sabbath. And this is the reason I'm not doing any of these things. You know, a religion of disbelief. They build a theology which is nothing more than a religion of disbelief. Does your religion go beyond just an emotional love for God? You know, God, the bottom line, God doesn't care how you feel. He wants results. God wants results. And those results are measured by, in a way, what you do, your productivity, your obedience. Yes. So how much do I owe you, said the man to the Lord, to his Lord, for giving me this day and every day that's gone before? Shall I build a temple? Shall I make a sacrifice? Tell me, Lord, and I will pay the price. And the Lord said, I will not take less than your love. So if you were absolutely sure you love God, what would you do? Well, I've just told you what to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that's what's really in your Bible. And don't ever let some false minister, false teacher, false 
prophet tell you anything different? If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.